Remember the, remember the South Park episode where they had the camp and they had the one dude trying to take everything over and his sidekick Mimsy? Yo. I fucking know this looks like Mimsy. Oh, man. You ain't right. That's that's the games, bitch. Old Thicky Ricardo face ass boy. Yikes, man. Thicky Starks. (laughs) (laughs) That motherfucker boy. Bro, like like a Euro slash. He just looked like he smelled like a Euro. You know what's funny? I know they've been reporting on it, but what's funny, like this Bray Wyatt shit, bro, is so much fun in the arenas. They do so much more there than they tell you about, like, or what y'all hey, see hey, on TV. Hey, hold, 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 hold your, Kirby enthusiasm, sir. We about to get rolling. You might want to start the show off with the pre-roll and just let him explain that. Oh, well, shit, there it is. Set this, set this hold in, cuz. <laughs> Turn them background vocals up, bring these motherfucking leads up, baby. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Hey, I don't know how it works. All I know is... I was sitting in the in the in the chairs, and it cut the commercial. So I, I'm with Juice, and I noticed we we were right behind like diagonal from Michael Cole and them, right? I think it was Michael Cole. I don't know who be on there. That, so, we're so, looking at the it, monitor. It's so funny you mentioned Juice. I sent you a text message and included Juice in it, and I deleted it. I'll tell you about it off, off air. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I was with Juice at Raw, and uh, we we were watching their monitors to know when TV cut to commercial, just because we were trying to see like. I never, I had been to a raw event or a live event, but I was a kid. This was his first time. So we were trying to see like, what do we miss when we're not at the show? So the first time it cuts off is uh, during or after the Rey Mysterio match. Uh, after Mysterio and AJ took on Judgment Day is the first time they hinted at Bray. And what happened is it cut to uh, all black on the monitor. So I knew it was commercial. All of a sudden, all the lights go out. And they start playing the right rabbit song, the song that everybody's been talking about. And it's crazy because the crowd knew it was coming and everybody just holds their phones up and the lights, you know how it is when Bray's coming out, we all get the lights out. So it's just like that. Yup. And the crowd's going crazy and just the we want Bray chance start. And they literally play this entire song. And what's funny, I don't know the name of this particular song, but one of the lyrics is fill your head. So it's like you're telling us to fill your head with the idea of he's coming. And it was just really cool because it's, you know, that it's going on and they're raising the lights and playing with them and making it look supernatural. And I had talked to Trey before and I was telling him like, oh, I thought this might be Malachi Black. And I understand like the claws he has now, but being there, it's Bray. It, there's no reason it's not Bray. The way that they play with the lights, the theme songs, you'll see little flashes of stuff in the corner is super dope. And then, uh, so it's that's like one of five different things they did that I know they didn't do on air to kind of signify like Bray's coming, bro. He's coming. And I think it's a whole new Wyatt family. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, what's Buddy's name that just came back? Um, Carrying buddy. Carrion is going to be part of the family and if they can pull off Malachi I feel like they're kind of waiting to see if they can pull off Malachi coming back but that's your new Wyatt family right there that's 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 outside and up in this bitch simultaneously (laughs) yeah that's your new Wyatt family is Malachi Bray and Carrion Cross well shit there it is we we can start with that Suave you ready yup well shit like we like what I was doing this time. Welcome to the Broken Pencil Booking Company Pro Wrestling Podcast and Radio Show Infused with Hip Hop. 
I am Wood. Made daily. With organic, farm-to-table, localized, neuralized, sterilized, scotch-guarded for 2020 repellent, available online, shipped via Amazon, not available on Sundays, but now available on thebeastradio.com. Broken pencil logic. You stay classy, Internet. I'm Suave Burgundy. Back to our regular schedule, whatever the f- whatever that looks like. We are recording this for you live on Wednesday, October the fifth. Yeah, my lord. Yeah, my lord. I said, yeah, my lord. Yeah, my lord. Twenty and twenty. Amen. We have a guest in the house, Suave. Do we now? Not not just a guest, but. Whole lot of fucking gang shit, and part of do my do, and part of my we, bloodline. Do we do anything else? I mean, this, but this is this is my bloodline. No, but what I'm saying is, do we do anything other than a whole lot of fucking gang shit? Uh, I don't think so. I, I don't. I don't think that's ever possible. I I didn't either. I just you know sometimes you gotta ask. Live from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minnesota. This is not an AWA uh, legend, but he has carved quite a name for himself in the Twin Cities. My cousin, Free City, y'all. Free City, what up? Yo, what's up, what's up, what's up? Thank you all for having me on. It's a pleasure, man. I always dreamed of being able to hop on and talk wrestling with my guys. Appreciate (laughs) y'all. It's about time we did some work together. I figured it would have been some damn music. Who who knew it was going to be a podcast? (laughs) Right. <laughs> All the years of coaching Sorry, and conversations yeah, and mentoring each other and shit, and here we are doing a damn podcast about pro wrestling. Just because we some hip hop dudes. <laughs> Yo, um, apparently, you attended Raw in St. Paul this past uh, this past Monday night on uh, Monday, October the third. Yeah, my lord. Yeah, my lord. I said, yeah, my lord. Yeah, my lord. Twenty twenty two. Hey man, man. Um, so you hadn't been to any live wrestling post pandemic, and then you were with the uh, with the homie DJ Juice. Shout out DJ Juice up in uh, up in Minnesota. You know, so how was the how was the uh, the live atmosphere? Because me and Suave are, we we're plotting on some shit, and if we pull it off, well, you, you know, it's just it's just. What we, we, we do things but yeah. your, your experience was a little bit different um, than what I was expecting for that for that particular arena because they usually run a target center but apparently it was occupied and so they ran in St. Paul instead so like talk talk us through you know what, what it's like up there during the uh, during Monday Night Raw Live yeah it was kind of cool so I, I like to talk on Excel first just to get that out of the way uh, Raw being at Excel was super dope so for people who don't know Excel uh, is where the Minnesota Wild play our hockey team, and then Target Center is where the Minnesota Timberwolves play our basketball team. The hockey arena is newer than the Target Center, and the way it's designed, there's not a bad seat in, in the house, especially for a wrestling event, because it's a lot more compact with it just being the ring versus a whole arena or concert or anything like that. So once we got there, you know, we kind of caught the vibe. It felt like everybody was kind of together. 
Um, it was really cool. I, I really I like the fan base. Um, I feel like Minnesota's fan base with our ties to wrestling and, and just being a historic wrestling state, um, I feel like it's really strong. Um, you had people who were fans of, you know, Rey Mysterio, and then you had people who were fans of Finn Balor sitting next to each other. So, you know, when you had Judgment Day going off versus AJ and Ray, you know, these two was over here arguing with each other over who's going to win and what. And it's just kind of cool to see that competitive nature without people really getting into it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right on. Here's the thing. <laughs> a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff in the crowd and kind of um, in the in the corners of eyes. Um, and I, you know, it's the the elephant in the room is Bray Wyatt, right? So like one of a lot of the stuff that was going on was for the fans that were there. And it's you know I've been keeping up with the blogs and seeing all the rumors of Bray's return and the different signs here and there. But there was a lot of stuff going on that felt supernatural or, or had things happen. So when we're watching like the screens and we're watching the, the entrances for wrestlers, uh, one in particular, Alexa Bliss, when she came out, you know, there was a splice where Seth Rollins is holding and petting a white rabbit. Well, if you remember, Seth and Bray ain't really get into it really cool. You know, they used to get into it and wrestle. So it's it was one of those things where it's like, why is Seth petting the white rabbit? So it's kind of leading up and, and we all know Seth is the main antagonist. So it's just little stuff like that, that I was seeing that you're not catching on TV because this is all during commercial breaks. So it's like really cool to get that atmosphere and get some of that more supernatural and the hints that WWE is throwing out there for us without having to run to the blogs after a Raw and see, okay, what happened? What did I miss not being there, you know? Now, Suave, what, uh, like, with, I saw earlier today on Twitter, Bray Wyatt updated his bio again to include for booking, basically, you know, contact his management. What, uh, what do you think this new writer means for, I, I, we're, we can assume that has to do with w, uh, with uh, with Bray Wyatt, but like, what do you think it means from your eyes? I think it means Bray has a plan, and part of his plan is having a plan. <laughs> Man, like that is like part of his whole plan is having a plan, and who writes down a plan apparently to his liking? The new writer, right? Who is in charge of long-term storytelling, which is fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> that, that the term long-term storytelling has become so much of a thing, they hire someone to specifically handle that part. The one thing I hate about that is the fact that I don't need to know that you going outside to get up in this bitch. Simultaneously. <laughs> you know, like, like mm -hmm. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna say. I'm going to go hire Suave to go write raps for half the whack motherfuckers in the city. Like, we don't need to know that somebody's writing this shit for him, especially if he's the, the architect behind the fiend to begin with. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think part of what that is, too, you know, a little bit back, um, Bray had put on Instagram, you know, he put that picture up. Uh, and he put the cult of Wyndham, right? Hashtag cult of Wyndham. Don't worry, I'll feed you baby birds. Hashtag cult of Wyndham. So WWE owns the name Bray Wyatt and they own The Fiend. So if he's not going WWE, Wyndham is the way he has to go. His name is Wyndham Rotunda. He doesn't have any other character outside of that that people are going to readily attach to. So my theory is if he was going to go AEW, when he posted that, that's when he was going to go AEW. He was thinking about it. 
he was going to go that way. His uh, no complete clause was almost up, but then Vince left and Triple H took over. And I think that literally shifted the paradigm as to what Bray Wyatt was going to do. And we just didn't know because, I mean, up until until Vince left, why would we think he's coming back? Vince is the one that let him go. So I think the whole like cult of Wyndham and him changing his name to his actual name was him signifying like, yo, I'm about to make this jump. But as soon as Vince left, that kind of opened the door for him to come back. And it's without Bray Wyatt and, and The Fiend, I don't think Wyndham really can stand on his own in AEW. We're not trying to see Wyndham. We're trying to see The Fiend. Well, Especially every, every other two weeks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Last thing we need to see <laughs> is him every two every two weeks uh, or, or so, even further, further between. But he was actually released in uh, July of last year. I don't know if you realize that he was mm-hmm. released July of last year. But even this year, like there just been just a lot of like back and forth on Twitter and teasing and just you know gems being dropped. That's what he does. That's that exactly. That's exactly what he does. And I'm yeah. here for it. To be honest with you, just and this this new writer, uh, uh, Rob Fee, uh, has been appointed to the director of longtime creative for WWE. Fee has been a horror writer for Marvel in the past and has uh, penned comics for Spider Man and Daredevil and the Avengers and has been head writer on a couple of Disney XD shows so they're bringing him in he's a like they're wait, close enough friends wait, that wait, Bray wait, was wait, at his wedding wait, wait Suave hold on back up read read that list of credits again alright uh, a horror writer not a horror writer a <laughs> horror writer for Marvel in the past who's penned comics Marvel. for Spider-Man okay Daredevil, The Avengers, and has been head writer over several Disney shows. So that's two times you've mentioned Disney in that in that statement. Well, then there's that. Who else we have at Disney? I see. Apparently, Liv Morgan is now going to be in the Disney uh, in the Marvel universe. Is what she said. Wait, is that is that an aspiration or? Uh, some shit that actually happened i didn't read that story D- don't know uh but we do we can confirm mercedes renato aka sasha banks is definitely in the marvel universe and was so while i'm marvel i'm sorry in disney oh, no. and star wars a- i just read it this aspiration okay uh i mean smart on her behalf you know absolutely i'll take yeah i'll take you know bumps of marble marvel marble <laughs> Yeah, don't ever take a bump of marble. You end up in an emergency room. It's you not, can't, you not can't snort that, boy. That's a marble. It don't even break down. I don't, know, I don't yeah. know if this helps, but I just did a little digging. Disney strikes deal with WWE admits rumors of buying wrestling company. This was January of this year. In India, WWE is not on Peacock. It's on Disney+. Plus. This is a fact. This yeah, so, so... Yeah, so... That said, so we they're in cahoots. Well, I mean, they're, they're definitely in bed together. But you know, to to what degree is the question? Because we've we've been playing this game of where do they land next for AEW and for WWE? Because apparently, mm-hmm. there's a uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. How there's an issue with WWE's uh, rights on Hulu and how the contract is coming up and how certain content is being removed and eventually. Raw, the 90-minute version, could also be removed from... Uh, but but from guess Hulu. who else is already in cahoots with Hulu? 
Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. <laughs> yep. They're all so together. The You're just moving to a different apartment complex at yep, this point. That's the bundle. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I I did I didn't take that bundle, and you know, but I still got all the channels that y'all just named off. So you know, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm really sick of these apps, though. Like I'm sick. Just just give me one fucking app. I'm I'm tired of playing on the CAC. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> playing playing around on the CAC. Speaking of, we we uh we got a little we got a little game coming up later on. We'll we'll come to that here in a minute. Um. Since since we've been gone, uh, I guess we'll take the time and make this your daily acknowledgement. Face, did you did you take the time out of your day to acknowledge your tribal chief and head of the table? Oh, always, man. Yeah, oh, whole lot of fucking gang shit. <laughs> Suave. Always before breakfast. Wait, before breakfast? Yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta thank the God for another day. A whole lot of fucking gang shit. This is your daily acknowledgement of your tribal chief head of the table in the WWE uni- undisputed universal heavyweight champion. Roman Reigns. Since we've been gone, apparently Logan Paul has popped his punk ass back up in WWE. Now, granted, he's been having some some success as of late. You know, he's he's in, in the mixtape of you know dopest debuts, but uh, he's signed on to take on the chief of Crown Fool. Like, do we start taking over unders on how long the match is going to be? Is there going to be some fuckery involved? Anyone. What are you trying to time again? <laughs> How long is it going to take before uh, Logan Paul has to acknowledge the type of chief? First of all, hopefully he will have done that before getting on the flight. That's, that's a fact. Then secondly, considering what he's been up to in the last 24 hours, uh, grand opening, grand closing. Wait, 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 wait. What has he been up to in the last 24 hours? Am I, am I not doing enough interneting right now? Google Google Logan Paul Bad Bunny. Oh uh, uh, no! Are you kidding me? See this this to me again reminds me of some really good WWE writing <clears throat> because it's Bad Bunny is a WWE cat. We have to remember he just made his debut too. So to me, this looks like one of those, they had a meeting, realized they couldn't have Logan Paul beat the Chief, so now they're gonna start beef between the two celebrities to see who's the better celebrity. I, In my head, when it comes to the Chief, man's been, been champion for two years. The only person that they can make make sense to take the belt from him, there's only two people, Bray Wyatt and The Rock. That's it. <laughs> Well, we, we've already confirmed. Well, well we we have uh, predicted Rock as well as probably the millions and millions around the world. Uh, and I, I I like I like the idea, and I, I I really wish that for the sake of this conversation, that this was this was good writing on WWE's part. Let me read you a headline that just popped up while we were recording. Logan Paul accuses Bad Bunny of Puerto Rico tax program, quote unquote, exploitation. Some shit you just don't put in the headline if you're just trying to write a storyline. 
taxes. Like, are you, taxes are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you just um, you bu- you basically sure just put Dominic Mysterio was Eddie's for like four years. I mean, you can put anything <laughs> in the storyline. What are we talking about? Nah, to hell with that. Like you, just... I saw May Young's titties. I don't want to hear nothing. We can put anything in the storyline. What no, are we fuck, talking about? Fuck, fuck this. No, I'm not. I'm not doing this. 2022, and I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not taking any more abuse. I won't. You turn this shit into a storyline. You basically put the Brett Favre jacket on this man. Hey. Like that's a federal fucking crime. Yeah, yeah. You just tax ain't so, a, tax ain't ain't a word the you play around with. Blaming the Puerto Rican dude for robbing Puerto Rico for taxes. This is crazy. <laughs> like, not to mention you stepping on a relationship that Trip's been cultivating. Yeah, like, yeah. Logan see. Paul thinks he's famous. Like he thinks he brings in a lot of money. Bad Bunny, different situation. Bad Bad Bunny oh. is the largest grossing act in the world. Craig. So, cause while you were reading that headline, I was reading this headline. WWE's Triple H embraces the spectacle of Bad Bunny and Logan Paul. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that's some shit you say when you're trying to cover up the fact that you fucking steamed about it. <laughs> I bet you don't hear that shit come up again. Right. Hey. I bet he don't go nowhere else to say nothing about tax evasion. <laughs> hey, uh, Unc, Unc ain't been hey, playing well, lately, bro. Here's what, the thing. What, what's, the, what's the difference between a lie and the truth? A lawsuit. Thank you. <laughs> Keep on, fuck around and find out. If you increase your level of fuck around, you will you increase you your level of finding definitely out. definitely find out. <laughs> right, let's put it this way. If Bad Bunny don't file a lawsuit by the end of the week, we know what happened then. <laughs> <laughs> you know who talked him down? It's a whole, it's a whole lot of that shit going on. Uncle Trips done burnt two cell phone batteries trying to talk that man down. <laughs> he had, he had to switch him out live on the call. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it 100 with you. Somebody who's in America this much, who makes this much money, speaking that little English, <laughs> you do not want to piss him off because the people that he's gonna point at you speak less English than him, <laughs> and they listen to Bad Bunny. Literally listen. Oh, yeah. Listen. <laughs> hey yo. Yeah, yo, speaking of, why why did we have National Scissoring Day today? <laughs> because How did Logan Paul and Bad Bunny make you think of that. Motherfuckers <laughs> motherfuckers habitually find the line and then go too far. <laughs> no, Habitual just- line steppers. Like like ra- random shit that popped up today. That's how that that's how that came about. Let's let's find the edge of good taste. Let's find the edge of funny yet obnoxious, and then let's jump clean past that. <laughs> also, while we were gone, Suave, something that we have been talking about here on the Broken Pencil Booking Company Pro Podcast and Radio Show Infused with Hip Hop for probably three years to the date. Not just three years, but three years to the date. We have a special guest referee in a fight pit match who will make or supposedly supposed to show up on SmackDown for the season premiere this Friday. But are they even calling the season premiere or is that going to be next week? I think it's next week because Raw is this Monday. Raw is this Monday for sure. But Swab, we've been talking about this shit for the longest time. If you want to pop a rating real quick, who would you who would we say that you can put on SmackDown for a season premiere? DC, no comics. <laughs> Daniel Cormier is now going to be in a WWE arena as an active person. I can't say a competitor. 
He's refereeing a pit fight between Riddle and uh, Seth freaking Rollins for uh, just for, for bragging rights. We kept saying, you know, Lesnar's running out of opponents. And Lesnar has a clean look for Crown Fool. That motherfucker saying they made hove. Made hove say, <laughs> okay, so make, make another, another hove. And then and didn't DC and uh, Brock get into a like a shoving match in a UFC match like two weeks ago? You, no, it's not not even not two weeks ago. It like, just it happened. The story might have resurfaced, but yeah, like that's been a while. Oh, okay. They they've had smoke for a minute. The the irony of me saying that is Brock has the exact same look now as he did then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All, all the above. So maybe Cowboy Brock was just a, a phase. Yeah, and then we're gonna that beast incarnate. Yeah, you know we get UFC shoot fighter back, and then you know you got to be a little more serious when your competition's a little more serious. So what do we get? Problem uh, is though, like you you can't take Brock and DC, bring him into WWE, and act like Brock can fuck with DC. You can't do that. Like that don't work. Did you, did you just tell me you can put anything in the storyline? <laughs> these were you, these were your words. You literally can, but like we seen that in real life. That you, no, that don't work. We took one of the children of the Beverly brothers and made him a, a bodyguard overnight. <laughs> overnight, and then we sent him back like nothing ever happened. We can do whatever oh. we want to do. Oh These wait, wait, wait! You actually you kicked off a whole rebranding with him as as a special. Uh, is a special entry into a, a triple threat match, making it a four-way match, and injecting him into the fucking main event? Too late. <laughs> no, I'm talking about One Republic. It's too late to apologize. It's just it's, it's too late. I don't know what to tell you, famo. So, seats are full. So Brock, Brock is running out of opponents. Cool. I still think... And we would not, you? I don't want to talk you too not, much about the match, but go ahead. I was like, would you not pay to see Brock versus DC at WrestleMania, regardless of how it ends up happening? Oh man, listen! If you ever, if you ever wanted to put on a big money fight pit match, a do it at Mania. B put them two in it because we we damn sure didn't get the Bobby Lashley Brock Lesnar match that we wanted. We just got a match for the second saying we got a match, but this definitely wasn't well, the match we wanted. I look at it like this. Whichever one doesn't get Saudi will get WrestleMania. I mean, hell, because now you can put DC in the ring with, uh, with with Bobby. There's a lot of different stuff you can do to sell some tickets and get some money popping around here. So bring back, we ain't got, bring we ain't got to burn off all of it at one time. Yeah, bring back Thatcher. You know what I'm saying? Like Gable Stevenson talking about he might want to come back to the PC. Gable Gable's probably a little ways off. So let's let's let's. Pump the the revolution will come, but it's not ready. Let's just just nah, chill. Just chill. Yeah, like he gets that member of Alpha Academy, he don't hurry up. Let Boy, DC listen. do a couple of ex- <laughs> DC do a couple of exhibitions <laughs> with Otis. Let's, you know, let's 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 play this a slow roll. This thing. We do oh not have God. to shoot off the entire wad. Pause. <laughs> right after Extreme Rules, right before uh, Crown Fool. Yeah. And speaking of I think they food. put they put Brock in a really awkward position because it's like he's the beast incarnate, he can't lose to nobody, but he can't beat the champion. So what the hell do you do with him? See? See? Now he can't lose like, to people because he's been losing to everybody. He's he's got well, I know, but you see what I mean? Like like 
what do you do with him? He has, there's no story for him. There's nothing you can do for Brock where it's like, okay, cool. Here's a huge pop because he did something new. Like, bro, (laughs) let's keep it a thousand. They ran out of new stories for Brock like 12 years ago. Facts. Yeah, he's an attraction. The best thing happened to Brock in the last 10 years was Suplex City, bitch. Yes. For, so yep. for the last eight, nine, almost 10 years, Brock has been an attraction. You bring mm-hmm. him to an event, one of the big five, you really actually one of the big four, you find the biggest name you can find to put him in the ring with, give him 10 minutes, 12 if he's in a good mood. And then he takes the L. Well, recently he's taking L's, but before that, it's like, look, F5, let's take this shit home. Right. Yep. AJ Styles, Finn Balor, De- uh, Brian Danielson at the time, um, Daniel Bryan, Triple H, CM Punk, uh, The Undertaker, but uh, who else? John Cena. Cena ad nauseum. You see what I'm saying? Randy Orton. Hell, Triple H. Him too. Again. <laughs> insert insert challenger here. Wash, rinse, repeat. A new challenger is ready to play. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Dean Ambrose thought it was going to be different. Nah, not with you either. He fucked around and found out. Going to bring back Goldberg? Sure, I'll take a quick pin just to set up this next ass whooping. Great. Right. He'll beat me in four minutes, 52 seconds? Yeah, I'll give him three. (laughs) Let let me me, me long play some money for you. I'll go ahead and lose to Bobby here at the Royal Rumble, and I won't touch Bobby again until next year. Right. Wash, rinse, repeat. Brock ain't had a story except for this thing that they did with Roman. That's the only story he's had that I can remember in the last 10 years. The back the back and forth with Paul last year for uh or was that, oh, that was this year, wasn't it? For day one? Yeah, you're wrong. Yeah. Day one. <laughs> Bing bong. <laughs> like the Saints uh, football ending. <laughs> day one, bing bong. Bing bong. <laughs> First time he's had an actual storyline to play out in about ten years, maybe longer. Like he's an he's an attraction, so just find the biggest name you can find. In this case, it's either Bobby Lashley or uh, Daniel Cormier. You're gonna do probably gonna do both in however much time it takes to get both opponents. Brock may want to stretch this shit out over six months because you know you can do Daniel Cormier more than once. Pause. <laughs> Think Cormier is big enough to WWE fans to even do that though? Probably not. Like, I, I, I like think, a lot of UFC fans don't fuck with Cormier. I think I think that bloom is off the rose. Like it's 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 a matter of instant instant gratitude. I think since he retired, and he re- he retired under, under duress because he had no competition. Right. You know. So um, it's 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 name value thing. Like most people that come from the UFC are not gonna necessarily they don't necessarily match up physically with you know WWE's brand of athlete. It's just they have the they have the the street court cred if I if can use right. that term of being able to fight for real. And Daniel Cormier right. is definitely that. He does not have the prototypical WWE body, especially at like mid forties. I believe he's forty five. Probably and, looks a lot like Kurt Angle. And yeah. I, I way less. Way less, and he also floated between light heavyweight and heavyweight, so he's on the lower end of the heavyweight side of the heavyweights that have MMA background, i.e., Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. So 
you you put them up like next to each other, they're not gonna look like aesthetically like because even Cain Velasquez was lighter than uh, than yeah, Brock. Yeah, Cain Velasquez looked small as fuck compared to Lesnar. Yeah, he did. Yep. So it's one of those things. Like, okay, so can you fucking imagine when Brock had that little brief word for Conor McGregor? How <laughs> ridiculous that would have looked on camera. Oh, right, man. We're talking like Omos with uh, Omos versus Ray is how that would. But looked. then the thing though, like, so like a lot of wrestling fans, like you guys are big in it, right? So y'all is probably have fans of wrestling. Y'all follow UFC, but like that's not necessarily always the same crowd. So for somebody like DC who didn't necessarily have the commercial appeal, like he wasn't John Jones, he wasn't Anderson Silva, like he didn't have commercial appeal. Now, when you talk about skill, of course, he's he's one of the best ever, but commercial appeal. So like do wrestling fans look at DC and be like, yo, he might be able to come in here and do something. Cause like, if you mention, like you said, Connor, like if Connor knocked Brock out in a wrestling match, we would look at that and be like, damn, that's believable. But it's because wrestling fans understand what Conor McGregor is. Do they do that with DC? I, if Conor McGregor even came close to sniffing Brock Lesnar's chin, I think it was a fucking work. But <laughs> well, of course, of course, but you get what I'm saying. Well, absolutely, I, I do. Like Conor right. McGregor's a household name. The the fly, the fight I mean, Floyd Mayweather helping. Being be. honest, Brock should never lose a wrestling match. Everything's a work when he loses. Like he actual <laughs> should never lose a wrestling. Which match. is why so, he doesn't lose very often. Right. So, like, but you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, 100% I get what you're saying. Like, with Connor, yes, the name value is going to be sky high because the the Floyd Mayweather fight, the different things he's done, the outspokenness, mm-hmm. he borrowed, uh, you know, Vince McMahon's signature walk, all of that type right. of stuff. He can talk people into an arena. It's just when the bell rings, he's going to look like a child. Oh, so for sure. He can, he can sell the tickets. He can sell the pay-per-views. He can sell the streams. But physically, you gonna have to. It's gonna have to be that that thing we always talk about: the suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. And you he, have to. You have to understand that Brock Lesnar is a hundred pounds heavier than this man. Mm-hmm. Every bit as skilled, might be just as fast, and doesn't have a glass chin. Right or jaw. But again, this is why this is the wrestling business versus the fight game. You're trying to sell the illusion. You're trying to get people to lose themselves in the idea versus, no, these two people can't even fight. They're not in the same weight class. So here, here's, right. a, here's a comparison for you, uh, Resetting. When we're talking about the brand recognition, right? So like you're having, you're having to question Daniel Cormier. So like right now, Gable Stevenson, uh, Gable Stevenson's hot shit because of the Olympics because of uh, him winning back-to-back national championships um, and the fact that he was one of the first athletes to sign an NIL deal, so he's working professionally or getting paid professionally while still being an undergraduate student athlete. Mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar would have been that had they had NIL back when he was in college in, in the late 90s. But that name, like, like that name was a household name back in the 90s because you were you were in high school actually you were in middle school just to just interject before you continue to comment on that specifically brock's name when he first entered wwe is 10 times bigger than what gable stevenson's name is now take into account social media today 
internet today, TV today, and the fact that we all just watched the Olympics. And Brock's name was still 10 times bigger than Gable. If you put Gable on TV right now and don't mention that he's an Olympian, 90% of people have no idea who the fuck he is. Exactly. So that said... This is, hit the bell. Don't don't oh, cheat that man. My bad. I'm, I'm in the car. We, we, <laughs> we, we, we rolling in this bitch. Uh, so <laughs> so that, cheat so that man. The, Greet that man. The same the same logic. Like, I'm from Minnesota and don't know who the fuck Gable Stevenson is, the, except that I just watched the Olympics. You get what I mean? Right. The same the same logic that you had to apply to Gable Stevenson is how I'm about to apply uh, to Dan, Daniel Cormier. So a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of people who from this part of the country specifically would recognize him from his college days at Oklahoma State but also the fact that he's a native Louisianan and he did a lot of fighting here in Dallas so mm-hmm. if he were to debut here the the pop on TV I think would translate to be something more meaningful than if he were to say you know try to debut in like Portland or debut hell even hell, even debut in, in Minneapolis for that matter, because again, mm-hmm. there's not that brand recognition except for the people who are barflies on those Saturday nights when he was fighting and or watching him do the uh, the the desk and analysis. Right. So I don't know. I, I really think that they need to add more to this MMA the MMA side of this roster. We got Matt Riddle, we got uh, Brock Lesnar, we have Bobby Lashley. At any given moment, we could have Timothy Thatcher. Um, you try to speak that one to existence. Yes, <laughs> fucking right. Which wrestler was it that like damn near only fought in the Lions Den? Um, what's Back the name? In, like, the ninety. Oh, Ken Shamrock. They need to do that, that with with a uh, man. That's how you do it because this fight pit. I'm telling you, he's about to beat the shit out of Seth Rollins in the fight pit. So, so this fight pit is mad. If you if you ever want to take Riddle serious, you're exactly right. If he's ever going to be taken right. serious ever, he has to mop Seth Rollins. So here's right, I, I don't, and he's gonna because this match. Seth Rollins is our Randy Orton, right? So if we look all the way back from, and I'm just going back to the click, go all the way up through Evolution. That's Orton. Rand, or Matt Riddle is the next step of that. They're not letting him fail. Triple H can't let him fail. He's the next step of evolution. He's he's the after of that. He's Randy Orton's little homie. So he's going to be huge regardless. They're going to make sure he does good. And I think like what you're saying to introduce more of the MMA side of it, this fight pit has to become something more than a one-off. It has to be something where like, bro, you, you got to go see Matt. You got to go deal with him in the fight pit. Like it has to be like that. Like, and that's how you're going to be able to bring in these different fighters. And and I think give them a little bit more credibility because you're actually fighting in an arena that's designed for doom versus let me see if I can pull off this wrestling move. Cause like, for example, that boy, Chad Gable, when he wrestled Braun Strowman, if you watch the uh, German suplex pin, he tried to pull off, he fumbled it. For me, the whole match was a mess after that because it's like the only thing Chad Gable can do is wrestle. He can't talk on the mic. All that shush shit is crazy. He can't talk on the mic. All he can do is wrestle. So for you to fuck up a German suplex into a pin, you got to do better than that. And these fighters, they don't have to worry about wrestling if they're fighting. So I think that fight pit 
is a way to kind of bring that into it. First of all, with the height discrepancy that Chad Gable has with Braun Strowman, I, the fact that he even was able to let off a suplex is fucking amazing. It's supposed to be ge ge geometrically impossible to do that shit. <laughs> right. Like yeah, physics Chad physics Chad is not supposed to allow for that. strongest motherfuckers on the planet. Yes and right. no. Like, so, so when in doubt, blame Braun. When I watch wrestling, when I watch wrestling, I separate myself from the wrestling fan I was when I was a kid. I watch this shit with a realistic eye and say, okay, Chad Gable, in theory, is one of the greatest wrestlers in the world, right? He's compact enough to bomb anybody. He should be able to lift up a 400-pounder. I guarantee you he squats at least six. So I'm he blame should be Braun. able to lift up a 400-pounder. <laughs> when in doubt, blame the guy who doesn't wrestle as well. I blame Braun. So if anything happened wrong with a right. German suplex, it's his fault. <laughs> Hey, so I remember when uh, when Brian returned and he came around that ring. I thought I thought Gable had did some shit and fucked off Brian. Brian fucked himself off. Right? Maybe they he just did. don't need they don't need to be around each other for a while. <laughs> right? They need they need they need a vacation from each other. They need some space. That too. We've seen this, we've seen things like this before. Like, it doesn't end well. Somebody, I think that fight pit has to become this generation's TLC. This generation's Hell in a Cell, like. Like for me growing up in the 90s, Hell in a Cell was like the ultimate thing. Like Hell in a Cell, for you to enter a Hell in a Cell match, you were the baddest motherfucker on the planet. I don't care if you won or lost. For you to accept that match, you were the coldest motherfucker on the planet. And I think the fight pit can kind of do that. And in between the Hell in a Cell and now what I hope happens with that, we had TLC. You didn't do a TLC match if you weren't that dude. Like you, you just didn't. Ladder match, cool. Table match, cool. But the combo of the three, you didn't do that type of match unless you were him. And I think the fight pit, they can do that with. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing because I, I didn't really watch NXT. I took some time off from wrestling. So I didn't realize the fight pit was, was a thing. When I heard what it was and went back and watched some of those matches and the one that Matt was in before, like, that can really be something the way that Hell in a Cell TLC was. So, so here, so on, on that same vein, there were there were only two fight pit matches prior to the one we're going to see this Sunday. Both of them yep. included Timothy Thatcher winning. It was uh, okay. it was uh, Riddle was in the first one. The second one was uh, what's my man? Oh, he's with the Miz. Tommaso uh, Ciampa. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Oh, now, sure. now, yeah, now that yeah. we give it, we giving all this grace and praise to the fight pit. We do have to recognize the forefather. SummerSlam 98, the Lions uh -oh. Den. Shout out to Ken Shamrock. Shout out to That's Owen why I mentioned the Lions Den, yep. You know yep. what I'm saying? The, the the Lions Den is the concept that that birthed the, the, birthed the fight pit. Birthed it, 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 it. Yeah, that birthed it, it, the, the fight pit. And like, it, 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 it. I, I'm going to say I hope Saturday they've updated the look because a ring with no ropes and no posts just with a cage surrounding it kind of looks corny. So yeah. if you're gonna make if you're gonna brand it and you're gonna have that basically that William Regal soundbite where he says war games, someone comes out and nice <laughs> announces fight pit. You want that you want that type of vibe. So this has to look a certain way. So I really, somebody has to do something aesthetically. I really hope they don't do no Thunderdome shit because I agree. like if Vince were still there, I think we could probably see some Thunderdome shit with this, but I really hope we don't see where they do some type of like in, uh, enclose the ring below but have you fight in a, on the pit above the ring no I, oh, just no. change the, just change the type of cage that's all I need you to do change the cage everything else will be fine 
You can have I feel like that's something that's early, that's easily fixable too. Because if you look at the first couple like cage matches and first Hell in the Cells, they weren't aesthetically pleasing. But I think after seeing it on film or on screen and seeing how it looks on screen, they're able to make them adjustments. I I feel like that's something easy enough to fix. Think of the think of the improvement you saw when you saw the um, the Elimination Chamber cage in 2017. When they put the yeah. padding on the floor and they they yep. changed the cells and they were higher, like that type of new technology, you know, just pushing forward if the coach, right? That's it. Just yep. make it more aesthetically pleasing. Because imagine someone buying front row seats to to a UFC fight, mm-hmm. and you can't see through the cage. Mm-hmm. You got to look up at the screen to actually see what you paid. You know, I mean, two grand to sit ringside. I would say, yeah, hell. Any, anytime you sit ringside, you're looking up. Like the the sweet spot for those of you in there that are trying to do some some good ticket buying for fights and for pro wrestling events. Never ever sit on the floor, right in, fr- yeah, right in front like of the ring. All the people that sat on the ramp, they just sat and watched the dang uh, Titan Tron the whole time. If you if you any further back than row five, just give it up, G. I'm saying three, three, four, <laughs> three, four, five is your sweet spot. That's where you want to be. You do not want to be in one or two ever. Three, four, five is where you, you want to be. <laughs> unless you advertising. Now advertising row one, seat twelve through fifteen. There you go, sweet spot. That's that's mo- that's where the money resides. <laughs> that's where the seat fillers are usually going to sit. <laughs> You gotta push them motherfuckers out the way. You just flash your shit like this is my chair. You you feel what I'm saying? But that's the sweet spot if you're in the advertising game, and you have to be very clever and very subtle because people like Stanford are very aware of what is on their screens. Free City, so, we we have a lot of different conversation as it relates to to the history, and with you growing up in the '90s, like us, I, I make tons of missions about the uh, the early '80s. Suave takes the his his Suave sweet sweet spots like eighty seven to like ninety two, you know. Yeah, I had to I had to reach back for that eighty seven though. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I did. I had to get educated. I that didn't come natural. <laughs> it, it, was, it was before the cat pause. <laughs> so so what uh what 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 got you, what got you started into watching this shit, man? Because like. You just yeah. like I mean every everybody has like some cool shit, you know. One way to whether it be a homeboy or clothes or some shit you saw. Like what what got you started watching wrestling? Like and what who did you gravitate towards in in your time? Um, for me, really, it was it was just access. I didn't really have cable coming up, and um, this was right when, a uh, right yeah, right around the time WWE kind of started hitting a uh, UPN actually. Um, and so oh damn, and that was SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. that's ninety nine. Yeah, that was SmackDown. So I started watching wrestling probably about 97. Um, and the one way I got into it was actually, uh, you know, my cousin Maurice, his his grandparents used to babysit me every once in a while. And they had a black box, the cable black box. So we got all the pay-per-views free. And uh, Maurice's grandparents are actually big into wrestling. His grandmother loved wrestling, uh, Mrs. Walker. And so she would have the pay-per-views on when she was uh, babysitting me, basically. So I was just watching with her getting into it. And then what really caught me uh, was DX. I can't, I'm a DX kid. I grew up, like I said, 97, 98. Um, So the push, was it 97 King of the Ring that uh, Stone Cold won? Yes. Oh no, he won 96, 96, Triple H won 97. 
Okay, so the 96 one was supposed to be Triple H's, and we all know what happened with the click and everything. He basically got banned from winning it, right? So, mm-hmm. like, when that happened, was that King of the Ring was actually, I think, the first pay-per-view I watched. So, Stone Cold is there. He drops the Austin 316 line. And so, I was there for the beginning of 316 and the Attitude Era. And me growing up kind of the way I did and just like in the neighborhood, it was a little rough and stuff. And everybody was kind of I, I grew up around some clicky people. So I always looked at DX like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm DX. I'm repping DX, you know, like and I, it, it's corny looking back on it because it's like I was around some real like gang members. And I'm over here like, yeah, <laughs> man, suck it, you know, like, <laughs> uh, but like, but for real, that's kind of just what what drew me. And then um, I think one thing that kind of nurtured my love for wrestling when I was in uh, middle school that same time, I had a couple cats in school that were already into WCW. Um, and if you remember that same time is when South Park was big. Do y'all remember the WCW and WWE South Park characters? Not the WCW one, but the WWE ones I do. Yeah, so basically it was this thing where like people were drawing all the WWE and WWF characters and WCW characters as South Park characters. So that for us was like a really big thing and it just kind of drew me into it. I liked the artistry behind it. Um, I, I could tell that it was scripted, but at the same time, I could tell the athleticism is real and I could see what was real and what wasn't. I, you know, I was an intelligent kid, so I wasn't sitting up there like, dang, this is 100% real, but at the same time, I'm understanding that you know, it takes talent to be able to do what they're doing. It takes, you know, actors are actors for a reason. That That's still talent to be able to give a story and deliver a story. And that era of wrestling, I mean, I know it's hard to argue with cast that came up in the 70s and 80s, but that 90s era of wrestling was different, man. It was something like there wasn't one person on the screen that wasn't a mega star. And, you know, before we started recording, I had mentioned Spike Dudley, but like I'm 34 years old, 20 years later, and remember who Spike Dudley was. It's not a somebody who was like a Spike Dudley from the 80s and 90s that people are really looking back at and being like, yo, that guy was kind of important. Like, I remember the Blue Meanie. Like, it's, it's people like that that kind of made it for me because it showed that it was more than just, hey, let's go out here and have fun. It's like, these are these people's lives. These are their passions. And I think I kind of took to that. Right on, man. That's uh that that that's that pistol pusher lifestyle right there. Like that's how, how this shit got started. Just just the passion for the mm-hmm. shit. Um, man. So I wanna I wanna jump into this now because it's gonna play into. Actually, you know, no, we have to wait on we have to wait on that before we get into to the shit. Real quick, um, how how did the crowd take to <laughs> as I call them? Uh, GD Ali, as Swab calls him, New America Ali. <laughs> how, how did how did they take to him in this, this new look this past Monday? Mustafa. Uh, so it's he's he's a weird dude. Um, I don't I don't think the crowd really acknowledged him, and I think the problem is that he went against Lashley. I feel like he's somebody you put against like a ricochet and give him a really good match. To put him against Lashley was kind of like, all right, this dude's tiny. Lashley been dominating everybody. So he comes out, he hits a couple good spots, but then just gets taken out. And so I think to try to build a character off of that is really hard. And then we're in Minneapolis. We don't care about Chicago. Man. Like, we just got to be honest. <laughs> For you to come out with Chicago on your shit, like, 
we don't care, bro. Like, <laughs> so for him to put that Chicago stuff on and come to Minneapolis, like, I think that hurt him more than it helped. I think we I truly think, didn't I, care about dude after that. Yeah, I think that's why I asked because, like, if it's one thing to support somebody from Chicago because he's in your region, but you come in there wearing the damn flag. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, if you know anything about, like, Minneapolis is little Chicago. Everybody that gets kicked out of Chicago comes to Minneapolis. North side. You scared to go back home, you probably live in Minneapolis. You, you're on the north so side. It's like, so then for Mustafa Ali to come out and all these big Chicago, and then he got the old generic theme song. I don't know why he don't use the old one anymore, but he has this old generic theme song come out now, and then he's not Mustafa Ali, he's Mustafa Ali. So it like he doesn't have the familiarity like i grew up on lion king i know who mustafa is so when they announce him as mustafa i'm like like everything about his character seems wrong but mustafa is mustafa is actually the correct correct pronunciation it <laughs> so. is but i came up on lion king you gotta have brand identity nobody knows what mustafa is and boy you ain't no ali so what are we talking about <laughs> i mean you could have been mustafa davis for all i care like you're not an ali you just came out and got whooped so <laughs> you know what i'm saying like there's nothing he's just kind of there Shit, i don't think son. he really has a future to be honest Damn. he might be a good acting partner no, it's a swab, swab. You, you hate you hate to hear it, but the you, body well, shots. I mean, no, but so this is this, though. Who does he have a future against? No, he's not better than anybody his size. It, no, so, you're you're 100 proving our point. This is like oh, okay. what we say all the time about there's, we, we there's, the perspective of people watching watching the shows that aren't necessarily us because we look at it and we don't necessarily we never blame Tanner. We just look at creative. Right, but to have the perspective of the people that are actually watching these shows and their impression of the talent in front of them, it's important, and that's why we pitch certain ideas for certain people so strongly because mm -hmm. what we get weekly isn't connecting with everyone. Mm -hmm. And if you're saying you were just at a show and the majority of the people in that arena are not connecting with the talent that's on television. We're not talking about dark matches where this is the first time you've ever seen these people perform. Right. Like these are these are people on the website, in the roster category. And like I'll tell you this, that Alexa Bliss match later in the night, I'll watch that five million times before I ever watch Mustafa wrestle again. Oh, oh God. Ever, now that, ever. That, it, what's, what's crazy is for the, fighting words. for the type of match that he had against Lashley, that was actually a really good match for him. And I, 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 but it's cold. It's a yeah. cold fucking match, and you don't know if Ali is is heel or face in that situation, or he's just disgruntled. So that was the first thing I said. So, so here here he is back being healed again, like so fast and with no reason. So well, early the problem is is because Bobby Bobby's a huge face like that's the problem and bobby's a face because there's no reason to dislike him he comes out he smiles he's not disrespectful to people like he's a fan favorite so with mustafa like even if he is a, a face you can't tell like it's like asking you to pick between your two friends well i'm gonna pick the one i'm always with like <laughs> and then and then with bobby they suddenly start making changes he back 
putting suits on. He back talking yep. rough. He not he's not happy to be here, Lashley. He's like, I'm gonna kick your fucking ass at Lashley. The one we like. Because yeah, after Roman, ain't nobody messing with Lashley. Like, that's kind of how they have him set up. It's like, hey, here's this guy. He never wrestles on TV. He's a universal champion. We're just gonna use him for pay-per-views. Outside of that, Lashley's your champion. Who else is the champion in WWF? This is what See? this is what Perce- this perception is, of the people in the in the room. This is See? this is exactly what USA is wanting is for someone to carry the carry a title and, and have have more meaning on their network. So I guess my, we're gonna call this episode market research because we're doing all <laughs> they fucking curators and shit right now. Like well, for teaching real, you how to fix it. On TV, do he get such a pop as soon as he came out to the crowd with that old generic at bump, 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 bump? Like he he has the worst theme song for a champion, and the crowd loves it. Like as soon as this stuff goes off, it's like you hear the glass shatter when Austin came out. He brand like brandy excited. Yeah, he made. He made, heard it 15 million times over 15 million straight weeks. That's, and, yep. and he does like participation with the song, so he actually has motions that go with the beat mm-hmm. of the song. So that that helps too, because now that's something else the crowd can gravitate towards. Like then simple, they play the then they play the video game, hear the same song again, watch the same yep. motions again. It's and it's, I think I think Lashley doesn't get enough credit for how much he's improved as a wrestler and on screen. Because I had a period where I was watching wrestling like religiously and then I stopped for a while and then I kind of started picking up again. So when I when I right before I stopped, it was when Lashley first came in. So it's like before MVP even took him under his wing. It's like when he first came in and he was just big. He was like damn near as bad as Omos, but not really like he was just big. And he would come in, do his thing, and you're like, damn, this dude's big. And he can move, but he wasn't really good. Like, there was nothing attractive about watching him wrestle. Now, I mean, he pulls off some moves. He got a little bounce in his step. Like, he has a swagger to him now. And I think he doesn't get a lot of credit for as much as he's evolved as as a personality and as a wrestler himself. And I think that is why the crowd is able to kind of stick with him too is because it's like we all watched him kind of grow up. And even though I took that time off coming back and seeing him, as much as I hate the song and hate the idea of like just this brute, like he's not bad to watch. Um, Before Raw, I was telling Trey uh, because like I was watching previous Raws and I asked them flat out like, yo, what is the purpose of Omos and Otis? Because all they are is just big. They don't do nothing. There's nothing special about them. They don't hit no moves, nothing. They're just there. Lashley kind of had that to him and has evolved into somebody that's likable and that actually has a move set versus just relying on being strong. Here's what's crazy about those, about the name, the people that you name, with the exception of Omos, Bobby Lashley and Otis have amateur pedigree. And if anything mm-hmm. that you saw from Lashley that you didn't like is because he dialed it back. The one thing I can you can you can tell when someone loves what they do, like genuinely has a f- affection for what they do. That man is mm-hmm. having fun right now. I don't think I've he ever is. seen him it. have fun in the ring and the whole time that he's like, we've been watching like we we saw him win in you know WWECW. We saw, I saw him win in Impact numerous times. Uh, we saw him win. Uh, he's, he's undefeated in MMA, and mm-hmm. before he even even thought about having another match, he came in and was with uh, Leo Rush and completely transformed what what a what a 2018 2019 manager could be. Because I went from on this show one week being like, "Yo, this is annoying as fuck," to two weeks later acting just like him. Mm-hmm. 
And you know what they say about imitation. On the flip side, though, for for Ali, like you may mention earlier in the show about uh, Ricochet. We've seen that 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 one that with that horse is rolling off into the sunset. If we never see that again, mm-hmm. it'll be too soon. On the flip side, the one thing that Suave and I both agree that can save him is that new America gimmick. It doesn't matter how many times he loses. If he comes out with that gimmick and just does like some like a four to six week build, like he can still carry that on and come like say he can come back with a loss, come back, do some more promos, build for another loss. Like he he could be a very polarizing character if they let that loose. Like let's keep it a thousand. Retribution minus the Vince McMahon touch would have worked. Him as a hacker exposing people for his own personal gain and surrounded by goons. Take the Mad Max shit off of it. Just listen to it as its premise. As its premise, it's fucking brilliant. It's it's the perfect 2022 movie or in that time 2020 movie. It was perfect. A hacker who is who is disgruntled with his job starts to ex- expose people in his company so he can climb the ladder of success. It's a fucking movie. But the presentation we got was like, this is the corniest shit I've ever seen. This is Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. These people don't look like they don't look like they know how to work a fucking computer. Well, the other problem is when you have with, with Mustafa, it's like he obviously is supposed to somewhat be street, but at the same time, like uh, I've never believed that part. How you gonna be street when you was when you're a former cop? Like that's you that's his whole story. Yeah. But that's, you are the law. That's what I'm you are saying, a law-abiding so, citizen. Right, and the reason I say that though is like when you listen to Lingo or hear him on the mic, because like I don't have a lot of background on Mustafa. Like, I've maybe only seen him on camera four times, but what I've seen is, is like he has this little like firecracker, like oh I can do it, boom I'm gonna do the shit. But then like his lingo is also kind of like I'm from Chicago, so I need to talk like I'm from Chicago, but I can't talk like the white people in Chicago because I'm Mustafa Ali, so I'm gonna talk like the people I used to arrest. But at the oh same time, I didn't God. do that growing up, so it sounds weird. <laughs> so it sounds weird. But that's then, just, like, that's just the curse of the millennial. <laughs> right. But then I also have 90s cornrows, so like my look doesn't look right. Like nothing about him works, bro. Nothing. And, no. and that's where the guidance needs to come in. Right. Having them motherfuckers dressed like a group of hackers. Yep. Like the shit. That's where you need. That's where you need your long-term storytelling director of such to write this shit out so people don't deviate from the script. And then but you I need a style coordinator. Mm-hmm. You need a style coordinator to make sure these motherfuckers look the part. Like hit row, right. we'll pull the motherfuckers off camera until we get you guys some new clothes. Yep. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> 2002 oh. call. They want all they shit. All they shit back. Something. Yep. All of it's it. Like, everything. Everything's velour. I want you to take it off. Put it in this motherfucking bag. And we're gonna set this bag like, on did, fire. I did, little, I did a little research before we hopped on the podcast. You know, I like to be educated, so I went back and just looked at the recap a little bit because, like, obviously I was there, but I was also taking it in as a fan. So, like, I just wanted to look back, make sure what nothing I missed. Literally every time I looked at the recap of that match. The one thing they mentioned was like, did you guys like his Chicago flair on his pants? Oh, like that's man. it. Like that's all it is. Is like, did you see how he represents his Chicago? Like he doesn't. And that might have been a bad match. I don't know, but like now, he he didn't do anything that was different. Like he now, didn't catch now, my eye. No, serious. Now that you remind me of that, that 
them consistently mentioning Chicago, that kind of feels like like a tongue in cheek CM, CM Punk, Punk. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> about about yeah. them about AEW basically pimping out Chicago yeah. every time there's yep. an event there. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that's kind of like some you know inside baseball shit. Now that you mention it, mm-hmm. and it felt very like it felt very little kiddish like. And it's it's it keeps and I know I mentioned this dude four dang times, but Spike Dudley, like, remember how you walk up to somebody? I'm challenging you right now. I need the belt. Like that's oh, literally was, what he did he to was Bobby totally Lashley. With the shit. Just, yeah. He was totally with the yeah, shit. Yeah, I watched it. It was not the best way to set that up. Like, how about have him oh. win a couple of times first? Something or like beat somebody notable first and then go like something. That in, was just any bad. of those any of those things. Like you turned that, back that to me almost buried him because it was one of those like, all right, cool, I'm gonna give you your shot. Whether it's a title match or not, you fought the champion. So like, if it's not a title match, like you said, why not let him win it so that it sets something up and gives us the idea that like, dang, maybe he can beat Bobby, and so, then let him get throttled at a pay per view or something. You know what I mean? Like, so exactly. So doing it as. When they had the conversation backstage and when Bobby told him, yep. I'll make sure you get your shot. If he yep. had a flare of looking like he was upset, but he took it, went off, and then that's when you see him start to build his small win streak, working up mm-hmm. to a match with Bobby Lashley. He's ready to get his shot. And for whatever reason, maybe Bobby pushed him off a week too long. Then you can turn him. And now it makes sense for him to work like a heel. Broken pencil logic right. applied, and you know what? You know what? You know what time it is, Suave? Yeah, I sure do. Time to play a little game. Hey, hey, you know who ain't gonna win? You know who ain't gonna win? You know who ain't gonna win? Just say that this shit again. I know who ain't gonna win. You know who ain't gonna win? You know who ain't gonna win? We say that this shit One, two, two, three. Get your tail. One, one, two, two, three. Get the fuck Mama always told me not to show out in front of company. But company's family. Family can still get your ass whooped though. Free City, what up? Where you go? What up, what up? There he is. We're gonna play a little game. We're gonna, we gonna play a little game called You Know Who Ain't Gonna Win. We uh we have a pay-per-view coming up or a premium live event live on the CAC this Saturday, October. We got some the shit 8th. to stream. <laughs> uh, <laughs> call it what it is. Uh this Saturday, October the eighth, Year of our Lord. Year of our Lord. I said Year of our Lord. Year of our Lord. Twenty and twenty two. Amen. WWE Extreme Rules. S two S. Shit to stream. <laughs> 7 yeah, p- that's, that's gonna be the new shit. Yeah. 7, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. We we gonna we gonna be locked. Well, some of us <laughs> gonna be locked into Extreme Rules. We, the, we're not watching PLEs no more. We watching S two S S two S. So uh, for already announced. Now I'm hoping this is gonna be the final card. But if it's not, it's cool too. Card uh, subject to change. You know better. The Brawling Brutes versus Imperium in a six-man good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. Free City, you a guest up in here. Tell me who ain't going to win. Brawling Brutes ain't going to win. Wow. Wait, 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 sorry, hold on. Yeah, hit the bell for right that, back. man. Let me back up. Nope. 
Nope, let me back up. I, I answer fast on that. This is who ain't going to win. Yes. Imperium ain't going to win. Wow. Here's why. Here's why. What the hell is a Donnie Brook match? <laughs> it's some Irish shit. <laughs> exactly. Who's Irish? Uh, Seamus and Butch. Ring the bell for me one time next. <laughs> well, actually, the whole, the whole clique is supposed to be Irish. But... Log- logic applied. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. You know what that you means, Suave. You can't be the man at something you ain't did before. Let's you, go. You, you, know, you know what that means, Suave. What does that mean? The logic is applied. That means uh, the, the exact opposite is going to happen. There's a... Seamus <laughs> a legend. Y'all got to remember, Seamus a legend. Who the hell and? is in Imperium? People, oh, people, wow. people were trying to get over. <laughs> exactly. Va- so, Va- exactly. Walters are Seamus Walters are already over. You have to remember Seamus's role in the entire WWE has been a fake ass Roddy Roddy Piper. All he does is come out, <laughs> get people agitated, whoop their ass, and leave. That's all Seamus does. Go go back and revisit Seamus 2009 after he debuted on Raw and broke uh quote unquote broke Jamie Noble's back spinal. Definitely <laughs> will. Spinal. That's rough. That's rough. Nobody wants their back broken spinal. I quit match. Edge versus Finn yep. Balor. Suave, who ain't gonna win? This storyline. <laughs> it will not win because it will not end. <laughs> oh, man. I'm under the impression what we're gonna get out of all of this is an AJ turn. Because this whole Judgment Day shit kind of started at AJ's expense. So if we're doing long-term storytelling, that's the arc. But for whatever reason, I just... This shit won't end. Edge has Edge come back from his fifth career-ending injury <laughs> the last <laughs> six months. <laughs> the last six, last six months is, is, is seventh in two years. <laughs> Like, like, bro, like, how many career-threatening injuries can you come back from in such a short span of time? Like, we, this shit is going on too long. Every time we saw, the you gonna try, you gonna try to stretch this shit to at least Survivor Series at the very least? No, a question on that because I don't know if this aired on TV. Did you guys see the promo Edge ran talking about he's Adam and this is the closest he's ever been to himself? Was that on TV? I don't I recall seeing. So. I don't recall seeing that one. I must have ran. I, ca- I caught that on Hulu. I, I did hear that. Okay. Okay. Talk, yeah, talking about the, the doubt he sees and his kids and his kids are like uh yeah, looking at him with doubt and saying yeah. like the character we're seeing now isn't really a character. This is the closest to Adam we've ever seen and all this other stuff. So he's kinda of, he's trying to play the role of like he not really wrestling no more, he's just actually there. And like it's yeah, it, it was kinda of cool, but I agree with y'all, like there's nowhere for it to go. But the problem with it is it's not the storyline itself, it's the wrestlers encapsulated in the storyline. You have a 45-year-old Edge, a 50-year-old Rey Mysterio, <laughs> Dominic Ass can't wrestle. There's nothing for Rhea to do. China without DX. Oh, my God. And what's his name? The Archer of Infamy is the corniest Negro on Earth. So, like, what? Rhea's, what Rhea did nothing to no one. Rhea has hurt no one. David Priest just has a deep voice. He hasn't talked bad to anyone, though. But uh, he fakes his deep voice. Go back and watch Raw. And listen to him talk, and then at the end, he starts doing this, because it's Judgment Day. Like, if you don't get your goofy ass, like, no. Judgment Day is a bunch of wrestlers that they can't figure out what to do with. Finn Balor should have kept the demon. He needed to keep coming out as the demon, at least at pay-per-views, and they could have done something with that. But Vince got tired of supernatural stuff, so they got rid of it. 
like they don't have anywhere to go with those wrestlers and that's why they're in the predicament they're in market research we're just giving you we're giving you the perspective <laughs> shit I, I, and i can't even make a prediction drew mcintyre versus carrying cross in a in a strap match so, carrying cross will win no who ain't gonna win <laughs> Drew McIntyre ain't gonna win because again, you got somebody you can't do nothing with. You got a guy who carries a sword God to the ring him. just to set the sword down. And this is none of this is his fault. Who <laughs> who gave him the I fucking sword? Whoever gave him the sword should just take it away and hide it. It has to be the same motherfucker they who named the sword. Tired of. Yeah, that's how you break the hex. It has to be the same person who gave it to him has to take it away from him and hide it so it'll never come out again. Vince McMahon don't work there no more. <laughs> <laughs> he can he can visit. He just can't be on payroll. He don't know he's on payroll. He just can't work. He can come I visit. Say, I think that's the other way around. He's on payroll. He can't show up. Maybe he can. He maybe he can phone in via Zoom. Right. But nah, Drew McIntyre again is it's another character that is just dying. You can't do anything with him. He has no future. There's there's nothing to it. All right. Matt Riddle versus Seth freaking Rollins a fight pit match with special guest referee Daniel Cormier. If Riddle don't win, then this is it for him. <laughs> if Riddle don't yeah. win, we riot. Who ain't going? No, 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 no. I'm not rioting for shit. That man's been painting his nails. He whatever whatever he's dealing with right now is of his own own doing and own making. This is his last opportunity. If he doesn't win I here. Think- I think Seth will lose it. They're going to try to paint Riddle as a more vicious fighter and change his character a little bit. They've slowly been trying to give Riddle Randy's personality, but you can't because he's the ultimate bro. So the only way they're going to be able to do that is with these fight pit matches. Like That's why I, I really believe that they have to make more of it if they want Riddle to go over more because you have to do something with him that's different. And I think bringing him into the fight pit and giving him his own atmosphere and bringing him back to that that uh, MMA background will give him the ability like like we've seen Riddle tap somebody out, but you haven't seen Riddle viciously tap somebody out. Like we haven't seen Riddle literally make somebody pass out. And Seth Rollins can sell the hell out of that. So, so I think Seth is going to take the L and they're going to make Riddle a more vicious version of Riddle, like closer to the Viper. So I, I see one of two things happening. And I, and I like that analysis. I see one of two things happening. One, I see Seth Rollins, what he said on Monday Night Raw, being more of a spoiler a la Paul Heyman when he said that mm-hmm. DC is coming to help him because mm-hmm. DC and Matt Riddle have, uh, they, they haven't crossed paths, but they have history with both being fighters. And I don't think mm-hmm. DC is going to come in. Plus, plus, they did some promo today, too, uh, or, or was it yesterday? There was some promo, like a, a a show that DC was actually on, like a podcast that DC was on, and he was uh, talking that shit. But he wasn't like trying to get open. It was just it just seemed really heelish. And uh, right. So at any rate, I really think Cormier gets involved, and Seth Rollins told the truth on his promo Monday Night Raw, which will which will make it a throwback promo for Seth. Easy for for doing that kind of foreshadowing and letting people know like what's going to happen, even whether you pay attention to it or not, or Daniel Cormier calls it right down the middle, and the the daddy of these matches, um, not the not the father, the daddy, uh, Timothy Thatcher comes in and causes a disruption to make uh, Matt Riddle lose because he is the only person who's ever won 
of our fight pit match today in WWE by that name. Right. Uh, I like that idea, too. For the Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair versus Bayley in, a, in, the, in the first ever Women's Championship ladder match. Who ain't going to win? Bailey ain't gonna win because her ass can't even climb a ladder without Io Sky helping her. <laughs> she looks so uncomfortable on the ladder, bro. It was embarrassing. <laughs> like and that, like not even like joking. When if you watch it, her climbing the ladder to take that final pose, holding the belt with the other two girls up there, she looks so uncomfortable with the ladder. I literally looked at Juice and was like, "Dog, I hope she practices ladder matches for like." Literally four times a day up until the the event because she couldn't even climb the ladder. Well, well I think now I, I remember think, what I said how I came up. I came up under the Hardys and three D and them, and I Edge and Christian are Edge and Christian, but the Hardys in three D, bro, you can't just put two girls on a ladder and be like, "This is epic." No, it, it you got to come with that shit, <laughs> and she can't even climb the ladder, dog. I I think uh th- then she she just came back from a blown wheel, right? Like she had a knee blow now, right? Man, I ain't trying to hear that. That uh, shit was a year ago. Uh, shit, I can tell you firsthand. Mine was seven years ago, and I'm still limping. <laughs> You're not a professional wrestler. You're absolutely right. I am not. I don't even play one. I don't. I don't even play one on TV. I just, I, I just talk this shit, <laughs> and I, and I go, and, and I do what I do from nine to five, and that's you know. It, it looked bad. I think, I think Bianca will, will win it. Um, if if she doesn't win it, it'll only be because of interference from Dakota Kai and and Io Sky, which that's such a terrible dang group, bro. That's that's a bad group. Io e- Sky hasn't hit a, a a good damn moonsault since she's been on the main roster. She her moonsault in NXT fire. This not so much. Uh, for no. for the SmackDown Women's Championship, Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey in an Extreme Rules match. Who ain't gonna win? Ronda ain't gonna win. Man. There's no future for Ronda after Liv Morgan. So for her to win, I feel like WWE is shooting themselves in the foot. And the only thing you could do with Ronda winning this match is set up a future match between them two again. They are really leaving money on the table by not trying to load up either Ronda or Shayna Baszler with the title. And have them two go at it because I'm sick of seeing uh, the return of Charlotte Flair. Right. Countdown. The thing though is, so and Liv Morgan. So I follow Liv Morgan on social media. Um, I, I like her a lot as a wrestler, but she outside of the ring is really cool too. So I kind of like follow her on there. And one thing that she says that's 100 percent true, and the reason that I think that this match is kind of tough to predict. WWE wanted Ronda to be the face. The fans chose Liv. So what do you do? Do you have Ronda go on? Okay, cool. Now you have a 40-year-old women's champion, and the only other person that you can put her against is the woman that she just beat or Shayna Baszler, who the crowd doesn't give a fuck about. So what do you do? Yeah, you can't You can't put money uh, on, on, uh, on change. You can't put change on money either. No. No, so I mean, it, it has to go to live. It just doesn't make sense to give Ronda the title. Like, could you even imagine? Or is she pins? Like, who's even cheering? What are we doing? Ronda Rousey's beyond her time. She had the chance to kind of be a mega star in wrestling, and they chose somebody else. And just like that, 
that's how you play. You know who ain't going to win. Sponsored yes, by no sir. one. Yes, sir. A few more tidbits before we get up out of here. We, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Sammy Guevara, Andrade El Idolo. Uh, they, they got into a little tiff on Twitter. And I don't I don't know <laughs> Free City. I don't know if you know what the tiff was about. Well, I just found out earlier today what the tiff was about. Suave, you you, you still here with us, man? Because <laughs> I, I am I am still here. Uh, get, what's the easiest way for someone who is? I don't know, as the streets would say, acting like a bitch to stop being a bitch. Um, take a deep breath. Count to three. Stop being a bitch. <laughs> this man. Steps one and two are optional. <laughs> Sammy Guevara is apparently upset at Andrade El Idolo. For laying it in while working. Look, a man who just got married should not be this high strong. <laughs> Especially one that, gets, that, has, that, that has that much sexual release on live television every week. Tranquilo, my boy. Tranquilo. <laughs> You're killing me. You're killing me, Smalls. Man, so let me read these. Uh, this this Twitter war. And I, so I don't I don't know. Wait, can I play the part of Ricky Starks? You, I, I will gladly let you play the part of Ricky Starks. Fantastic, ready. <laughs> so it, it all started with, and uh, I said I, I said it to your face. If you had a problem with me and you said nothing, I won't beat your ass because I'm a professional. Don't be scared. When I say something, I, I name names, and I'm not scared to get fired. Hashtag Sammy. That's from Andrade El Idolo. Sammy replies with, You didn't say shit to me, you liar. But here's some truth, you ungrateful prick. You would be jobless if it wasn't for your dad in law. <laughs> Talking about Nick Chaboy. Are you really mad at me or mad at yourself for failing to get over a, for a second time? Just go back to WWE like we all know you want to, like you all want to do. And fuck off. You are a jobber, for, uh, a favor hire. Be grateful, bitch. Ricky is right here with this friendly reminder. Man, can my coworkers shut the fuck up for a minute? <laughs> that might be the tweet of the damn year. <laughs> Bruh, Ricky Starks is the adult we all need. What the fuck? Look, if this is not a prime example of why Phil Brooks went Phil Brooks, <laughs> week after week after week, we get illustration from the same locker room as to why shit went the way it went. As a matter of fact, for people who watched Dynamite this week, you saw you saw Hangman do that shit again. And Mox checked him on the spot. <laughs> Mox did all but tell him, "Hey boy, this I ain't beat what your ass, <laughs> right? I, I beat your ass, uh, boy. This ain't what you want. Fuck around and find out. 
Right. <laughs> He's like, he Catch might, me outside, how about that? <laughs> to, par- to paraphrase, Moxley said, you got 13 days. Don't make me do this shit tonight. <laughs> For real. Don't fuck off your money trying to get to the shit too early. <laughs> Just saying, like... You can't keep doing this. Like you, you want to keep going into business for yourself. AEW is gonna be out of business. Fool me once, shame on you. Or fool, fool me, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. This is because I'll be, I'll be honest with you. If that was a, if that was like a worked shoot, it was terrible. But it went to, it went too wrong for Hangman Hangnail Adam Page for for me to believe anything otherwise. Nobody would purposely put themselves in that bad of a predicament. Meanwhile. Retort for that. Meanwhile, detox, de- uh, detox, mock says some shit that was so bad they had to pipe in crowd noise for the edit. <sighs> that 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 two second <laughs> delay turned into a ten second delay. Now hell, you you might you might have a whole thirty minute gap between live. We might be doing live to tape. <laughs> yeah, y'all fucking up over there. I'm see. This is why we say every week. Look, Conos. Stop! Stop fucking worrying about Stanford. the 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 battle is not yours. <laughs> Leave Stanford the fuck alone. <laughs> they are going to sink, swim, or flourish on their own. Keep the you ease. need to sweep around your front porch because you got shit going on. And keep the ease name out your fucking mouth. <laughs> Even when people ask, you need to go. You need to get in Belichick mode, and it's probably what the problem is. Like fucking Jacksonville. It's a microcosm for AEW. This shit doesn't work in Jacksonville for the same reason it doesn't work in fucking Jacksonville. Oh, man. And, and speaking of shit that ain't working in Jacksonville, FTR last week or two weeks ago made mention about uh, not having enough TV time. Let's So let's rationalize this. Shit, they got resumes up on Indeed last time I checked. You have <laughs> you have I've said this already. The best, arguably, the best tag team in the world. It's not carrying, no arguably. Well, yeah, okay. I got you. They have the IWGP belts. They have the AAA belts. They have the Ring of Honor belts. Mm-hmm. They are well decorated. One of, if not the best tag team in the world. You also have two nominees for or, or, or yeah a, a singles match or a match of the year candidate between the, the the two of them the tag team themselves and uncle dax is an argument that he could be a singles wrestler of the year there's an argument and you find you find it difficult to but you find it difficult to find television time for these guys who have who have the ability to advertise for more than your brand Truly making AEW a place for international fans to tune in. But what happens? Somebody, to- somebody owe me some fucking money. But, I know that much. But what happens tonight? They walk out for. Oh, oh they'll walk out again. Just you wait. <laughs> on the road again. 360 days on the road again. Oh, man. So. I'm going back to Stanford. Stanford, Stanford. I'm going back to Stanford. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so Prince Nana is out with uh with the faction of the embassy. That sounds like a that sounds like a really 
bad new rapper that he purchased from, set up. <laughs> he purchased from Tully Blanchard and uh it consists of Prince IAK, but <laughs> it, it consists of the Gates of Agony, <laughs> which is uh Toy Leona and Khan, uh Brian Cage and formerly Jonathan Gresham. Well, Gates of Agony come out with Prince Nada to handle handle some business. Uh, and FTR comes out to assist along with Samoa Joe. FTR walks to the ring to, uh, to help with this interference. And uh, the look on Uncle Dax's face was just like, boy, don't fuck with me. Like the fact that they had to, like this is how they got had to get on TV. I'm sure this is not what they wanted, but they got on TV. What are we doing? Are we st- are we still back there dealing with the uh, the block control? Oh, you never stopped dealing with the block control. What you thought it was? <laughs> thought, it, thought it was new shit. I thought this whole where new shit where <laughs> I thought the whole with who I thought the whole all out fallout was some was some bullshit, man. I thought this was new shit. All out fallout just created more ball out for the motherfuckers that run the EVP <laughs> shit. Like, not gonna keep playing this game with y'all. If this, if if fucking Sammy Guevara is running around here on his like ninth beef and second fist fight <laughs> in as many pay per view buildups, you know what the fuck is going on back there. We gonna stop calling Tony Khan Kanos and start calling him Daddy Daycare. If anybody else, I'm old, any- I'm grumpy, I'm hurt, and I work with fucking children. Anybody else in any other environment that had this much dirty laundry aired in public would have either been suspended, fined, and or terminated, or I'm sorry, future endeavored. He should consider himself lucky that he's not running around this bitch looking like Rip Hamilton. Well, the problem, the problem is Sammy Guevara is not wrong, and Idolo's a flair. So what do you do? I don't know. <laughs> that that not wrong shit's kind of subjective. It's like eh. again, I, he can't control when he gets booked. The only thing he can control right. is not speaking, trying attempting to speak English. Now, so, right, but but also so when, I, when I said Sammy's not wrong though, like what started the beef, like y'all said, what started the beef, Sammy felt like he was getting hit too hard. It's not a shoot match. Fuck you, hit me so hard for it. Idolo coming up under the flares of being an old school cat said, Come. "Take it out in the ring." Pooh so Shiesty say, like, come get it back in blood. Right, like, right. Exactly. If you, if you hit me and I think it's too like, hard, I can answer that in real time. That's not some shit I can. Right. I need to take out of the ring, into the back, and then onto my phone, onto a social media platform, and then out to a bunch of motherfuckers who did not know that it, that existed. I, I've never heard anybody come out and say, please hit me softer next time. Well, but here's the thing, though. Sammy didn't come out and put that on social media. Sammy said that shit to Andrade in his face. Andrade went to social media and said, he's a bitch. Here's what he said to me. Andrade brought it to social media. That's why I say Sammy's not wrong. If Sammy felt a way and said it to him and addressed it with him privately, then he did. Whether he's a bitch for doing that is a different question, but he addressed it privately. Andrade took it upon himself to bring it to social media, which then escalated it. And then they got into the physical altercation. Which Sammy's led, not wrong. Which, Andrade which, is the bitch in this picture. Which, which, and uh, because he's a flair, everybody's just like, all right, we got to do what they say. And so here, here's where I beg to differ. 
if that's we, why we, Charlie keeps coming back. It's only because she's well, a Flair. Don't, she's Flair don't Flair. run shit in Jacksonville. Flair can't even get on Jacksonville's TV number, right now. Number one, how does Hill does Andrade have a contract? He's garbage. Ah. It's a lot of motherfuckers who garbage that have contracts in AEW. Do we need to start a I list? Agree. I mean, listen, AEW has two developmental programs on TV that's not on TV. <laughs> Let that sit for a second. They have two brands that are on TV with another brand that's off TV, and they still have talent that they have signed the contracts, allegedly, that we will never oh see. I, I've already said this, said it last week. Tony Khan signs wrestlers like I buy sneakers. There's some good looking ones. There's some bad looking ones. There's some that look better online than they do in person. All types of shit. So he's but not going to stop signing really talent. It helps my point saying the fact that he's a flair is the reason why that one out of 200 other wrestlers is on TV. But he wasn't a flair when he got signed. Yeah, he wasn't a flair when he got signed. And technically, no, they're the ones that joined the cartel, not him. He'd been with Charlotte for like seven years. He, I mean, he was with Charlotte. Like he might not have been married, but that was still. But girl. Which, what Wait. Charlotte, what Charlotte does, and who she sleeps with, and who she's in a relationship with, and married to, has nothing to do with Tony Khan wanting to sign him to the to his company. I'm gonna yeah, say, okay. yeah, no, he had no, he had classics in in NXT. If, if anything, he was held back when he went to a Monday Night Raw. Right. Like, this this, right, this right. ain't this ain't one of those. This isn't a nepotism thing. Which Sammy right. might be trying to make it out to look like. Like that dude has put in work and he just doesn't fit in this environment for two reasons. One, he doesn't wrestle often enough with storyline that matters. Two, mm-hmm. he will not stop trying to speak English on American television. Just speak Spanish and let someone translate. Right. Oh, if he'll man. if he would have if he could fix those two things, he's a much bigger star immediately. And we can tell that Tony yeah. Khan will sign anybody because Bandito just got a contract after one match. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Meanwhile, Sammy is on his second beef in as many months where his shit has come to blows because you think you can talk to anybody any kind of fucking way and nobody's going to come see you about it. But the problem right. the problem is he's the bad rapper in the studio that no one ever tells to stop buying time because he ended up in the fucking main <laughs> event after all this nonsense exactly daddy daycare oh where where's your other chaperone why is jericho not being the locker room leader he's trying to be before tell take this little motherfucker to the side and tell him what he needs to do and not do he's too busy shitting on roh and uh looking for entertainers somebody's gonna forget to be professional with him and he's gonna have to you know take some time off to let his face heal (laughs) yo uh what's happen now what's that I said, what gotta happen, gotta happen. Sometimes that's what it takes for them. Sometimes some people gotta get beat up, so fuck it. Last but certainly not <laughs> least, uh, the, the crew from Dark Side of the Ring and Seven Bucks Productions have joined forces to bring us our latest watch or weekly watching gym on Vice. During to- Slamtober. During Slamtober, we have Tales from the Territories. The first episode features... Uh, what I refer to as Continental and USWA, what has been affectionately referred to by all others who weren't in the region as just straight up Memphis wrestling. And it featured Jeff Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett, Jerry the King Lawler, Jimmy Hart, and was there was there a fifth one? Oh yes, Dirty Dutch Mantel. Did you get a chance a to actually of- uh, 
whole <laughs> yeah. lot of good old boy at that table, buddy. <laughs> what are you saying? Whole lot of good old boy at that table. <laughs> boy, <laughs> boy, it is a whole lot of down home country cooking going on at that motherfucking spot. Did you get a chance to watch it, Swab? I, I, Free City, I, I know did. you didn't see it. You did. Yeah, I what, did. What you think, man? I, I think it's going to be good. Like, you get to hear stories that, you know, aren't necessarily as widespread. You may have heard once or twice, depending on who you get other content from. Um, their formula works. It's tried and true. I just know with the people sitting around that table, there's going to be some stories that are never, never get told because of who's at that round table now. Like, um... Lawler's Lawler's reason for being off of television from Survivor Series 93 all the way to WrestleMania 10 the following year in 1994 that story will never be told that's actually that that would be a dark side episode facts (laughs) but because the 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 creators and the the producers executive producers and directors of Tales from the Territories are the same people that do dark side of the ring chances are it might not happen anytime soon, if ever. It might be a posthumous story. Like, you have to wait for Lala to die first. And and, and too, it's too bad that uh, Brian Christopher is no longer with us to be able to tell some of these stories because you know he's got a bunch of them, too. And then the other part of it is there are two more accomplices at the table. All this shit happens in Memphis. So you think Jerry Jerry finna tell it? <laughs> no. Never. You think it's you think his son finna tell it? Not a chance. Not it's a whole bunch of bodies buried at that table that we ain't never gonna know about. <laughs> I ain't gotta yeah, watch a, I ain't gotta watch an episode of Dahmer. I can get all the bodies I want right here. <laughs> they, they started they started that I with say, uh, I'm with I'm Brody. Excited to watch it though. Yeah, this no, first episode. That first the first episode like there there's a it kind of gives you just a little bit of backstory, but there's also like. These, the same stories that you hear from wrestlers um, and on like shoot interviews or when they or these good in, good interviews where they're telling car stories and things of that nature. It's just a bunch of car stories is what it sounds like, with the exception of one wrestling story that happened where Jerry Jarrett caused a wrestler to have to be blind, like literally stole his eye from his face. It's the same formula for for uh, Dark Side of the Ring, just brightened up just a little bit because you're telling it. The story's not publicized, so it's like there's always the opportunity for something not to be a hundred percent organically true, just because mm-hmm. you're getting it from a person and not necessarily from a cited source. Like Plane Ride from Hell had documentation with it. Like there's court there's court papers that go with this, so you can find mm-hmm. there's something verifiable. In it. Yeah, yeah, verifiable. These stories are not a hundred percent verifiable. It's just. They're 100% you know, believable. <laughs> that, that part. Like, they're 100% like, listen, believable. Vince McMahon is playing the Montreal Screwjob, right? Like, we're only going to get to change to protect the innocent. To tell you. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, so there, there's a story that they talked about on this episode with uh, with Andre the Giant. So any back in the territory days, Andre would float, depending on who, who was paying him or whatever. And he would always go to New York, which would be WWWF and Mid-South because they would always be the ones that trade talent and Andre could do numbers in the South because they, you know, Mid-South ran in uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, uh, parts of Arkansas and Oklahoma. 
and there, was, there may have been a, uh, some small overlap in Texas at times, but typically those were, that, that was like the, uh, the circle that they ran. And so the story was they had Kamala, which Kamala got his start in Memphis, but also was another one of those stalwarts that was uh, traded back and forth to uh, to Mid South. And I guess Andre was uh, was going in too tough on him, and Kamala went in the back and pulled a strap on him and said, "Don't do that shit no more." Mm-hmm. And Andre saw it as, "I respect you because you had the balls to come up here and deal with me." Uh, you know, do what you got to do. And apparently, before WWE, Andre was the only was only being slammed in, in other territories by Kamala. Something that you would never hear on WWE TV, but you can find that shit on the internet because then most of them shits happened in Mid South, and there was a, there was also a slam in Japan too that happened with Andre. But uh, for the sake of this particular show, like that. That's what le- apparently that's what led to Kamala being able to, you know, have a little bit more leeway with Andre than anybody else would. And that's what a lot of these stories are comprised of. It's it's people, you know, kind of needling at each other until the breaking point. And either you end up with a, a better understanding and, and mutual respect or you end up with somebody with a, a life threatening injury. <laughs> it's usually how this shit happens. And, like, I mean, H- Hogan, you want to go to Japan, get out of line, break your fucking leg. <laughs> what's funny? Period. What, what's funny is uh, Free City. You can you can you can check out uh, on YouTube. Hogan goes to uh, New Japan back in the nineties and actually puts on a, a real wrestling match post WWE. Like a with full, who? Oh, with wow. who? Just just for shits and giggles. With who? Uh, that that I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I'm going to verify with my Googles, but I'm absolutely certain I know who this was. Let's see here. His name rhymes with you. The fans out there, just in case y'all don't know, I'm gonna put this out there. Before you watch, what's the Tales of the Territory? Uh-huh. Before y'all watch that one, because this is what has me excited to watch Tales of the Territory. Broken Skull Sections uh, podcast. Stone Cold interviews Jeff Jarrett. Growing up, I hated Jeff Jarrett, dog. Absolutely hated Jeff Jarrett. He was boring to watch. I didn't like his gimmick. I hated he was a country singer. And then when he turned into the double J with short hair, peace signs in the air, hated that too. However, when I watched that Broken Skull Sessions and heard some of the stories and stuff, I didn't realize how connected Jeff Jarrett was to wrestling. Because, of course, I'm younger than y'all. I didn't know who Jerry Jarrett was. I know that sounds sacrilege. I'm 34, sue me. But <laughs> um, watching that gave me a new appreciation for Jeff Jarrett and who he is. So I'm really excited to see this episode in particular because you're getting some more of that era and that Memphis wrestling, which is what Steve Austin came up in initially. So that my one uh, of those long time, one of those long time territory stories that that normally would have made this show, they clear up on that uh, Broken Skulls uh, mm-hmm. sessions. Okay. So yep, I'm excited for that. You 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 don't know this, but my uh, I've, I've said this a couple of times here on the show. My in, my introduction to Memphis wrestling came with going to visit my grandmother for like spring breaks and summers. Uh, she she stayed 30 miles west of Memphis, so we got Memphis local TV uh, there. And so no one had well, couple, my uncle one of my uncles had cable, but typically nobody would have cable in a town that size. So all the thing you had was locals, especially being that close to a major market. And every Saturday from 11 to 12.30, it was straight CWA, live on WMC, Lance Russell and Dave Brown 
were, were on the call. Dave Brown was the actual weatherman there in Memphis. And also commented professional wrestling out of the TV studio. So I, rem- I, I remember watching uh, Sting for the first time and Rock, who became the Ultimate Warrior. I also remember, uh, what's my man? Uh, Jerry Lawler getting hit by Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, rest in peace. Like there, there was- And here's what's crazy about that with Generations, how you say you remember watching Sting. I don't remember Sting without black and white face paint. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Sting was See, black and yo, white when I first saw him. Yo, we were Market research. We were just talking about this, man. Yep. Like there's certain wrestlers who have actually been in in a actual wrestling ring for uh, multiple generations like uh Flair. This I think this is generation 6 for him. Uh or sorry, I mean a decade 6. Um mm-hmm. Dustin Rhodes, I think this is decade 6 for him. Um shit, who else? Uh who, who else we were talking about? Uh Suave. To what degree? As far as like people who have been in the ring uh since you know multiple decades, like someone who's been in like they're in the ring in like the seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands. Uh let's see, um shit. Flair, fucking Mill Mascaris. Uh, Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, D- Dustin, I think it's, I think it's on five or six, see, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Dustin's on five. Jerry Lawler still still putting matches in on a regular basis. Yeah, he's been, he's. I think he's on seven. Uh, Jimmy Hart still involved in spot shows, I believe. He's involved, but he doesn't, I don't think he bumps. Hey, I, mean, I want to maybe I before the show while we're while we're talking about decades and debuts and stuff. This literally just hit me and it shows you where I come from. Today's the 25 year anniversary of the debut of Kane. Damn, <laughs> right? When I say today, that's October 5th. I realize it's after midnight while we over here. So just for y'all, October 5th was the 25th anniversary of Kane. Which also would signify uh, 25 years since Brian Pillman's been gone. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Market research. You gotta, you gotta know your past, present, and your future. There it is, man. Uh, Free City, it's been a pleasure having you on, man. Doors open anytime. Uh, sure, thank you all, man. This has been a blast. Thank you, thank you. Uh, shouts out to uh, Minnesota. Um... Uh, Man, plug your people, man. Actually, plug your plug your shit. Man, I mean, this is I mean, you. That's what you're on here for, right? Of course. Shout out to Meta Soda. If y'all know Meta is the OG. That's who we all look up to. So we always got to shout out Meta Soda. Uh, shout out Mill City Collective. Those are my guys. Uh, DJ Juice. That's that's my ride or die. That's my that's my tag team partner. Y'all want to go one on two on two? Me and Juice will hey, take it all shit. day. <laughs> hey, don't be turning down no face. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> this, this can happen <laughs> and don't turn right. down no fades <laughs> that not only would that be hilarious that we outside and up in this bitch simultaneously and it could go down no definitely next guest appearance we bringing juice in oh sure. shit <laughs> right on <laughs> keep, keep it going keep it going Oh, no, that's all it is, man. And shout out to Mill City Collective. Those are my guys back here. And uh, I got to give a shout out to Khan, too, man. Khan's been out here doing his thing over there with AEW, man. I'm so proud of him. 
You know, that's 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 the young homie. We we don't do little homie. We all big time. That's the young homie. Um, I'm super proud of him, man. Couldn't couldn't be more proud of what he's doing right now. And I just hope the best for him. And I just want to put that out there in the air. And anybody who's not familiar, get familiar, man. K A U N. That's Khan. Shout we, out to the gang. We yep. weren't familiar and got familiar with him through uh, the most accidental of circumstances at a live event here in uh, in the DFW area that featured uh, gang uh, Shane Taylor as he was part mm-hmm. of Shane Taylor Promotions. And then we also saw him on a couple of other events for a couple of other organizations here in the area. And just, again, all accidental. So the fact that we we, we became fans of his just because we were in the same place at the same time and then finding out that there's a connection, <laughs> there's, only, there's only one thing that it could be. Whole lot of fucking gang shit. Swap. <laughs> yeah. Take us to the house. Pencil pushers. Heads up. Pencils down. This is the absolute worst podcast we've ever fucking done. What have you done to this brand? Shit. 